This is Nanny Rampy from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can go write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show where we talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, which is also known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to get in contact with me through social channels, channels or follow the show during off show hours, here's how you do all that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. If you have ever thought that you would love to get into the barbecue supply retail business, starting with one store, perhaps having dreams of growing that into a second store or third store or fourth store and carry all of the premier lines, accessory, accoutrement that is related to this live fire industry. And you're going to want to stay tuned for the balance of the first hour. We, we will have a first-timer to the show and the owner of Texas Star Grill Shop in the greater Houston metro area. Rick Martin will join the show for the very first time. We'll get a background on Rick if he had done anything professionally before he got into the Texas Star Grill Shop business, which is now past a budding success. It's a raging success out there in the greater Houston metropolitan area, perhaps Dipping into the Katy, Texas area, which I think is around Houston. Houston, very big. I've become very familiar with Houston over the last almost year, and it is an expanse and broad and sweeping. I've said a couple different times, if you're in Cleveland proper, you are outside of Cleveland within six or seven minutes. You are in the next city, suburb, what have you, in any direction except north because that's Lake Erie. But east, west, or south, you are quickly in Newburgh Heights on the south. You are quickly in Ohio City or Lakewood going west. And east, you are quickly in Bratnall 
or Euclid if you're going in that direction. Houston, it seems you could go 20, 30, 40 minutes. You're still in Houston. Houston cops, Houston lines. It's an expanse. Where am I going with all of this? I don't know. But I can tell you that Rick Martin will be on the show, and we're going to talk all about owning a retail shop. We're also going to be talking about how he approaches customers when they are interested in the high-line items. Specifically, Rick happens to be a certified Franklin Barbecue Pit owner. If you would recall, Sam the Cooking Guy took me to task a couple months ago when he nearly fainted at the $5,150 retail price tag on the Franklin Pit. But a lot of people that aren't accustomed to these kind of things, don't know the labor, cost of materials and shipping and all that stuff, don't take that into account when it comes to what the retail price is going to be. So there could be opportunity for a little sticker shock. So we'll talk to Rick about how he not necessarily sells around it, but how he's offering the value back to the customer and how successful he is when he has customers pull the trigger on that particular piece. So it's going to be a lot of great information, especially for anybody that might be thinking about getting into it. By the way, it kind of leads us into our 2024 podumentary, which I already have locked and loaded. Maybe I mentioned it outside of Grill Fest 2023 that took place in Hartville Hardware in September. That would have been last month. Uh, almost a month ago, actually, to the day, just a few days over that, where uh, Chuck Beadle will be joining us for the podumentary, starting from scratch and opening up a barbecue supply store. So little taster here this evening in the first hour with Rick Martin from Texas Star Grill Shop. Then we'll move to the second hour. We put it off last month. Shame on us. But we had such an extensive list of 100 percent assurity questions and Aaron Huntelman from Go Big or Go Barbecue sat in last month, if my memory serves me correctly. Actually, I think I'm wrong. I think that was Jason Baker all of a sudden a month ago. Wow, time flies. So I think Jason Baker sat in for last month's assurity questions. I believe I'm actually 100% right at this point. But we put off the 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame. Would have been a weird spot for Jason to be in. To either just sit there and not participate as we did our own thing. I thought that was a little self-indulgent. So we all agreed, the embedded correspondence and myself, and by we all, I mean I changed the date until this month, and we're ready to go. So we will have a new class of Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Famers by the close of this evening, if you can believe it or not. If you can believe it or not. Believe it, because it's true. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, X. TikTok and the Snappy Snaps at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of the video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on YouTube, which is YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. We also have a new YouTube poll question of the week, and I'm asking everybody this. Between the two, which cooker would you rather buy? A pellet cooker or a ceramic cooker? And currently 71% running away with it is pellet cookers, if you can believe it. Wow, I'm shocked. I thought it'd be a little bit more 50-50 there. I'm ceramic cooker guy all the way because it's way more flexible than pellet cookers. But I'm a little bit more seasoned than most of you probably, <laughs> so don't worry about it. All right, let's start here this evening. I mentioned at the top of the show last week 
that I had reached out to the American Royal specifically for a statement on the scoring issue that happened at this year's American Royal, specifically the open portion, of course. And they did reply with something after the show aired last Tuesday, right close to the weekend, as it were. And their statement reads the following, and I quote, The American Royal sympathizes with our barbecue teams affected by the technical data issue with the Kansas City Barbecue Society scoring system. The American Royal has a rich history in producing high-quality events and experiences, which remains our highest priority, and we share in the disappointment and frustrations experienced by our competition teams. The American Royal appreciates the transparency of the Kansas City Barbecue Society, plans to work with them in the coming months to ensure this doesn't happen again in the future. On behalf of the American Royal Board, staff, and volunteers, we share the disappointment of our competitors and express our apologies for the entire situation. This coming to us through Ken Wagner, chairman of the American Royal Board of Directors, and Jackie McClaskey, the American Royal President and CEO, close quote. So that is an official statement from the American Royal. As we continue to try and chase down an interview with KCBS, I did have a communication with Rod Gray, CEO of KCBS. I believe there's some type of official meeting that might be taking place tonight in which he told me, depending on how the board allows him or not allows him to talk about things. We could see an interview coming up here over the next week, two or three, or at some point in the future. Uh, Also, we might not see any of that. So we'll see what they think. Again, I know it would make for great content, but I think it's really bad form if for whatever reason the board does not allow Rod or if Rod disallows himself to do shows related to the live fire industry and talk about this specifically and perhaps ad nauseum. It allows them to talk about it each and every time, make sure that they're answering each and every question and build back some of that trust that might be lost from some of those teams. Fan feedback from past shows. Wally in Missouri. Greg, I heard you talk about cigars. Immediately, I thought about rule number three of the show. If it's free, it's me. Hook a brother up with some Aladinos. Wally, they're on their way. Absolutely. James in Georgia. Hey, Greg, this is from a few weeks ago when you had Aaron Franklin on the show. I was interested if you had heard anything further or that you have further thoughts on Aaron lending his pit to Adam Perry Lang to use out west. Podcast listener mostly, but occasionally live regards James. James, I don't have any further thoughts on that at all. I think we all know where I stand with Adam Perry Lang. Kevin in Houston. Greg, how in the hell can we find Dan from Wachula and get him back on the show for an update? That segment you played on the best moments a few weeks back was insane. I must know how Dan is doing immediately, if not sooner. Podcast listener only. But I would listen live if I knew Dan was calling into the show in advance. Regards, Kevin in Houston. Kevin, thank you for writing in the show. And thank you for living in Houston. Dan cannot call into the show because there's no number to call into the show anymore. That's not how it works. He might look to bring that back, but Kevin, Dan is not calling back into the show because it's 
technically impossible to do that right now. But let's continue to hold the thought that we might hear from Dan. Why not? He seems to be making a resurgence. Gang, you tired for settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up your game, bring the ultimate flavor and cook it to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for. When you have the time to fire up the grill, cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. This is their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grill. You can check them out at pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. That's pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. And use promo code charcoal central all one word lowercase charcoal central for 100 fuck uh, 150 bucks off any charcoal grill that they have on the website so once again pitsandspits.com and that's the pit and the spits spelled with the double t on both the pits and the spits dot com slash bbq central use promo code charcoal central all one word for 150 uh, twice for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill, the good folks at Pits and Spits. Believe it or not, Ryan will be back mid-November, so just a few short weeks. We get an update with him as the year closes out. Rick Martin from the Texas Star Grill Shop will be joining us here in just a second. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit cookandpellets.com and see what they're offering. And then when you're ready to buy, visit a dealer, number one. Or if you got to do it online, amazon.com or lowes.com or walmart.com. Great selection, great shipping rates, as well as I tell you each and every week, you can folks over at cookandpellets.com. We talk a lot of... Sorry. We talk to a lot of manufacturers of cookers on the show. Makers of accessories and others who have something to do with making a product or a service for the live fire industry. But what about the retail locations that help all these companies get their products and services into the hands of the end user, namely people like you and me? My next guest owns a number of live fire retail locations in and around the greater Houston, Texas area. And we are here to talk about all of that tonight. So we will welcome in the first timer and owner of Texas Star Grill Shop, Rick Martin, joining us. Rick, how are you, pal? Great to be here. We have a YouTube poll question of the week before we get into all the other business topics that have to do with owning a retail location. Nobody better to ask this question than you, Rick. Of the two, which cooker would you rather buy, a pellet cooker or a ceramic cooker? 
Wow. Um, I think if you have time, if you have time, it's a Sunday and it's a beautiful day outside. You want a ceramic grill? If, uh, but you're every, you're going to actually use the wood pellet grill a little bit more. So we're going wood pellet. Ease of use. Yeah, wood pellet. All right. Uh, 63% of the voting public also say that a pellet cooker is more their speed. I'm a ceramic cooker guy. Maybe I'm just a little bit more old school, but I do have a number of pellet cookers. I don't discriminate against cookers. I'm a lover of all cookers and all shapes, forms, and sizes. They all have their place. But between the two, I would uh, rather take a ceramic cooker. So, Rick, before we get into talking about Texas Star Grill Shop, let's get a little background about you. Are you somebody that's always been from Texas? And were you doing anything professionally before you got into the live fire retail stuff? Yeah, actually, I, I actually I'm not even sure where I in how I ended up uh, where I'm at, but uh, it's just uh, life life evolves. Um, but it, it kind of started off. We were a sales and marketing company selling to grocery stores. Um, and, uh, you know, along the way, uh, a lot of brands, the customers were throwing a lot of brands uh, at us that we didn't necessarily feel passionate about. So when I discovered a, um, a wood pellet grill up in uh, Oregon back in about 2006 or so, I was intrigued with it. And I thought that's something that could be a big deal. And uh, that was a that was Traeger when that was when Joe Traeger owned them and so forth. And um uh, you know, I thought I could sell them to grocery stores and, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which didn't really work out, but I, I, I talked them into buying a, uh, um, I, I told, I told Traeger I'd buy a, buy a whole truckload of those grills just to kind of get their attention. And, um, you know, I did, I bought a whole truckload, but then I got them and I had to figure out how to sell them. Hmm. Initially tried to sell them to grocery stores, did all sorts of things to do that. That didn't really work out. And uh, before you know it, uh, to sell them, I had to get involved in home and garden shows and and uh, just working it from there. And that really led to us. We, we, we became a distributor with uh, with with Traeger at the time um, and uh, and and actually led to us opening up a retail grill store. Um, and then we exited the the, uh, the uh, Traeger d- uh, distribution business. So as you're selling into supermarkets were you selling other products like rubs like was it live fire stuff or was it just any product you think you could sell into a supermarket you'd take on most of it was processed meats we're selling a lot of things like smoked sausage and uh, things of that nature so texas star grill shop is more or less born out of initially selling traeger stuff and then you open the retail location is that when traeger star grill shop is technically born so it, it really is. Uh, uh, Traeger made it. We, we actually became the largest seller of Traeger on eBay. And uh, then uh, Traeger made a decision that they were no, no longer going to allow anyone to sell online anymore or through an eBay and as another service like that. At that time, we opened up uh, a grill store. And our thought was we would uh, advertise on Sports Talk and drive people to the store that way and, and you know, sell them Traeger grills. And um so we opened up initially as a Traeger only store. Um, it was pretty crude, pretty small and pretty, uh, um, pretty crude. And, but, uh, but we, we did that for a couple of years and eventually in 2012 opened up Texas star grill shop, which no longer was just a Traeger store. It was, a um, we, we brought on Weber and Sabre and Kamado Joe with our first brands we brought along with Traeger and then it evolved from there. Today we have, probably 60 different brands that we sell. 
So as you are building into the 2012 launch of Texas Star Grill Shop, you have the relationship with Traeger. You're bringing in some of these other brands. How much inventory are you carrying for a, a single store? Is it close to a million dollars worth of stuff? Is it way more than that? How do you gauge what you're going to need to have a successful opening? At the time, we were still selling quite a bit of Traeger, so I was bringing that in by the truckload. Um, so we did have a significant amount of inventory there. As we started those other brands, uh, those were smaller orders. Um, but we still had probably uh, three to 400,000 of, 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 of inventory we were carrying at that time for the store. So are you bringing, it was a small store. Are you bringing um, in truckloads of Traegers and then putting them on eBay before you weren't allowed to do that? Or were you just taking eBay orders and then Traeger was sending them off like a dropship well at one point at one point it was it was a free-for-all so you could sell anywhere so yeah i was um i was selling a lot of traegers on ebay i was like their number one ebay seller uh for 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 traeger at the time and, and, and it was pretty uh you know there was a lot of engagement you could get you could do the auctions and then start engaging with the customer and work a deal with them and and that's so all was shipping all over the country and when did they decide to uh, corral it a little bit? What year was that? So that would have been in 2000. Um, we opened the store right after that. So I guess it would have been in about 2000. Uh, um, what was it? 2009. Yeah. Hmm. That they corralled that. When you first started, did you always have in the back of your mind that you were going to have multiple locations. I mean, we are, let me back up for a second. Are you originally a Houston, Texas guy or a Texas guy, or did you land in Texas somehow? I kind of landed in Texas. I actually, my, my family, I was born in, uh, born in Galveston. So I, I come from here, but we, you know, as, as a kid, we lived in places like Chicago and, and, uh, Los Angeles area and oh. then Portland, Oregon. I met my wife in Portland and that's why, where we discovered the Traeger, um, but moved to Houston in, in, uh, in 1990. So I've been here for a good while. Did you move for job or Houston just sounded sweet? Man, it was crazy. I just decided to move. Uh, we lived in <laughs> Portland and it was a pretty rainy climate up there. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, I was looking at the cities in the South and my, my parents had just recently moved to the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, um, um, we just decided to move to Houston. So we, we got all our stuff and put it in a budget truck and came on mm -hmm. down hoped for, and hoped for the best. <laughs> so were you always thinking multiple location store from the beginning or were you just hoping to make it work with one? No, I think our, uh, we were always thinking just about selling grills. How do you sell grills? And uh, so we were always thinking about, uh, about how to do that. And that could be a, that could be a fair, that could be any way to sell it. Um, the retail store, we weren't thinking about a retail store where people would just walk in. We were driving, we were doing sports talk to drive people to the store. And so we were doing, uh, you know, radio remotes and all sorts of things to try to drive some excitement and then have all the products on display, have an easy delivery system and so forth. So it really, really had never had a master plan at the time to have a bunch of stores. And uh, it just kind of, uh, you know, we... Uh, our our initial location was there on you know Shepherd and Fifty Nine there, um, the West U um, area, and uh, we've actually expanded. Um, we had one suite and now we have three suites. So the barbershop used to be right next to us, and then we convinced uh, the 
the landlord to make them move down a little further. And then now we're actually next to the barbershop again. So we'll try to push him out farther as well. Will he not get bought out? He's got a thriving haircut business that he can't give up. He's, he's got a good haircut business, but he is about 80. So uh, it's mm. possible that he'll give it up at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's going to give it up at some point. No doubt about that. So nobody gets out of life. Yeah. Um, so as you are continuing to grow, how are you evaluating brands, grills, products to bring in? What makes the cut for you back in the early days? Well, I think, I think initially, crazily enough, we, we brought on, you know, like, for example, when we brought on Weber, we found there was all of a sudden a whole nother customer base was, that was coming to our store that was Weber related. So at the beginning, whatever brand we brought on, it seemed like we were just adding customers to, the, to it. Um, and it got to where we just kept bringing on brands, kept bringing on brands because we were kept adding customers. Um, then we got uh, too little too convoluted. Mm. So uh, you kind of go through that, that whole whole phase so, so at, at this juncture we're very picky and very choosy and we try to figure out uh, what how does this fit into our store how does it fit um versus other grills we don't want to have two grills that look exactly and same and then customers are trying to ask us which one we buy and <laughs> we're trying to sell the attributes of both grills so we like to have differences that we can point to that if you like that that's the one you should get and if you like that about that grill that's the one you should get as you start to grow out locations when does it make sense for you to uh, not only expand about the location we're talking about, but let's go, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, uh, 20, 30 minutes or go to Katie or whatever. How are you deciding to expand every time you do it? Well, um, you know, uh, we, we opened our second store in 2016. Um, that, that initially was doing, doing really well. Um, and then an, an opportunity just came into a, a competitor wanted to kind of get out of the business. So they wanted us to really, it wasn't that we, ha- we didn't have to pay very much for it, but uh, they wanted us to kind of take over their business and pay them a little bit of money for the business they had, that we were taking over. Um, so, so that, that, that just made business sense to do at the time. Um, so we opened up our third store. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, uh, you're either in your business, you're either growing or you're stagnant. So my attitude has always been that we should always be looking for growth. And, uh, otherwise, otherwise before you know it, your business is declining and going the wrong way. So that, that that's the, that's, that's where that comes from. So uh, when we had a, our opportunity, you know, COVID made things really boom. So we thought we were pretty hot. Um, I think it was because of COVID, but, uh, um, in, in, in a lot of, in a lot of, in a lot of sense, but so we opened our, our four store. We also opened that in 2000. Um, it was an area in 2020, uh, the November, 2020, <laughs> wow. it was an area that we always really, really liked. And maybe if I was opening one store and I'd had unlimited resources, I would have opened it there anyway. Mm. So, uh, so we opened up that store and you're always thinking when, as you're growing, as you're doing it initially that wherever you're going to open up and this, this, this is going to be amazing. This location is incredible and uh, it's going to be the bomb. I'm going to be so happy that I did it. So, um, you know, optimist optimism. So that was, that was the fourth store. Um, and then the, the fifth store we just opened here in 2023. How far from 
one end of your territory to the other, uh, you know, what kind of a, a loop are we making time-wise to go from, to, to visit all the stores in a day? How much time does that take, you think? Um, it, it, to, if you went to visit all, all the stores and you didn't hit any traffic, it would be, um, you'd be going, you know, basically 30 minutes to each store or five locations. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but of course there's always traffic. So you have to factor that in. So sometimes you get hit by a little hour delay or something. When you look at your operating numbers, do the stores tend to be pretty even? amongst each other or do you have some stores that are far outperforming some of the others no our our store one location our initial location is still by far our best and kind of i almost think of it as uh that's our main location and the rest of them are all satellite locations mm-hmm. if you will but the uh, you know the funny thing is is wherever we're spending the most time is where the store is doing really well at um, so that's a that's been a challenge to find the right people that put forth the same effort that we would put into it. If you know what I mean. How do you? It seems like a never ending job. How do you? How do you find the right people that you know are going to stick and carry that vision? Well, I think the goal would be to create an entrepreneur out of it, and and allow that person to, if they want to work hard, to make lots of money. And so we've tried to put a pay structure in place that really enables them to do that. If they want to take it to a whole nother level, they can. Um, so we have pretty good incentive programs. We have a, we have a, you know, they get a guarantee for, first of all, if they don't sell anything, they still get paid. Um, but they're also paid a commission portion of their pay. So if they, um, if they sell a certain amount over, a, they're, they're all of a sudden being paid commission instead of their guarantee. Hmm. And then we have incentive programs for the store to to do that. So the hope is that that someone looks at the opportunity and says, "Wow, I can make a lot of money. Um, let me let me figure out how I grow this business." So that that you attracting the, the person in that way. Could you have the same pay structure in Cleveland as you do in Texas? Is there the same opportunity? You think, given the temperature challenges that we face up here for six or seven months out of the year that you don't have to contend with? Yeah, I think, I think in Cleveland, you'd have to have a store that was, uh, it couldn't be an exclusive barbecue like ours is. It would have to be something that was, uh, that was just changed to fireplaces and, you know, had big log displays and you got into chimney sweeping and stuff like that one time a year. And and then in the summertime, you went to grills. I think that, and that's, that's the business model for our industry in the North. And it makes sense in a, in a lot of ways. Um, it's still possible a store could be 100% barbecue, you know. Um, probably, there's probably enough people in Cleveland that would want to do that year-round. Um, and if you offered all the things like heaters and, and ways to, to create that outdoor environment, it probably, it probably could work. You had broached the pandemic and I want to hit on that here before we transition a little bit and talk about how you sell some of the high-level items that you carry in the store, specifically the Franklin Pit. How did you navigate it when you're when you're in the midst of it? As you said, you thought you were pretty hot shit, uh, probably because everything was selling like hotcakes. <laughs> but how are you? How do you navigate it? And what took me by surprise as I'm covering this industry is you had some pretty high-level, smart people and some really high positions with some of these manufacturers make some terrible 
decisions or decided to double down on years that we had never seen in the industry ever. And they thought that was what was going to be sticking going forward and fell on their faces. Some people went back to private ownership. Some people are looking like they might get delisted with how their stock prices are. No names, please. But how were you yeah. able to, to navigate it? And what was good that came out of the pandemic? And what might you still be trying to recover or work through? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really challenging for our industry. Um, what is what has happened but but certainly when it was all happening we just thought wow we've we've really keyed into something we are good we are good we thought we were we we're hot stuff like you say and uh and we're we're unstoppable you know it there was a thought during the pandemic that you know maybe we should have you know 10 stores and we should go to definitely you know i started driving to austin and seeing where i could open a store there mm-hmm. or driving to Dallas to look around uh, in those areas. So, uh, so there is a little cockiness to it. And it's funny thing is it's, as you look back on it, it's obvious what was happening, but when you're in it, you're in it, you kind of do have tunnel vision because you really don't earn, you're not living the life of, of all the other companies. You're just living your life and your and and your life, it looks pretty good. Things look really good. People are coming out of the woodwork to shop our stores. We were doing it kind of give you an idea that our store one location, we were getting 200 transactions on a Saturday um, of just people. It's like a grocery store. I mean, they were just coming in. We, you know, we sell a little bit of meat as well. Um, we sell, a, you know, Wagyu beef, a, a brand called Akaushi um, here. that's grown here in Texas. And we sell that uh, fresh. We have briskets and all that stuff. Um, that stuff, that stuff was going just crazy. I mean, people were coming in buying, buying that, like you would not believe, um, our spices, you know, we, it doesn't matter how many spices we brought in, we were selling it. Um, but it was just a, it was a whole different thing. We we're bringing in, you know, truckloads of charcoal. It's just, it was crazy. And, uh, go ahead. So you're talking about like, as you're in it, you can't see it, but when you're yeah. trying to re- reorder or source more stuff and all of a sudden you're hearing, it's it's going to be six months or I don't know when we're going to get it. Like, don't you start to realize, oh, shit, maybe, you know, the good times aren't just going to keep rolling and then start to adjust from there or not necessarily? Well, the thing the thing for us is we're a little bit just a little bit larger, and a little bit more concentrated, if you will. And uh, so when we saw that there was issues, for example, there was issues on uh, 32 uh, inch built in grills. But there was always someone with inventory, so we were buying that product, <laughs> you know. So we were finding the ones that did that had inventory, and we were just buying it all, mm. you know, and carrying it in our warehouse. And we got a little bit crazy to where we would just buy whatever whatever was available, and uh, and uh, you know it, it was selling there, and then all of a sudden it kind of stopped selling. What do you do when it stops selling? How, like, are you caught short? Well, I think I think when it's when it stops selling, then you start to then then brands matter more. You know, it was getting to where you just had to you'd had to have a refrigerator that would fit into an outdoor kitchen, but now you have to have the right refrigerator that'll mm-hmm. fit in an outdoor kitchen. So, so basically, in a lot of cases, we had to we did have to after it was after the slowdown started, we had to mark down things that weren't strong brands that we just had on inventory because we were too aggressive in buying it. There's no inventory issue now. We've we've moved through all all those those products. Um, but what did happen is uh, is after COVID ended, 
basically everyone has a grill that's one to two years old in their backyard and uh so the common griller stopped purchasing so our business shifted um in the last year it's really shifted to outdoor kitchens hmm. so it used to be that probably 60 percent of our sales were grills on wheels if you will and uh it changed to 60 percent of our sales now being outdoor kitchen related which is more of a bigger project it's people putting in pools putting in you know pergolas and you know outdoor living spaces adding to adding on to their home this has been a topic that we've really danced around on the show but we've never really fully gotten into it we're not going to fully get into it now because that's not really what we're talking about but as somebody that's in a area where you can take advantage of an outdoor kitchen you can't really do it up here unless you got heaters and all that other shit but down there you said it's a pretty big part of the business especially now i don't know if there's a general number but if somebody's putting in a decent outdoor kitchen, built-in grill, maybe they're adding a smoker as well, got to have a flat top, the cement shit. What are you looking at from a cost layout for the homeowner, just generally speaking? What's the what's the cost? So it's going to be, generally, they're going to spend between ten dollars to $20,000 on the grill equipment alone. Wow. Um, but then they're going to have a contractor that's going to, we we work with a lot of contractors, so we can refer to customers to those, or sometimes they have their own contractor. So the structure itself is going to be a, a part of it as well. And usually these are big projects that are they're usually there. They could be associated with a, with a, with a swimming pool with waterfalls, and you know there's a, it's associated with a a nice outdoor room that has a television out there. And uh, so it they're basically creating they're adding onto their home. And so the people that are doing this are a little on the wealthier side, if mm-hmm. you will. And, uh, they're, they're adding on to their home and, and they're putting more value into their home. Their home is going to sell for more money because they've created an outdoor living space. I was going to say, like, are you, and are you so, reaping uh, the, the reward on that? Oh yeah. 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 So the, it, without, without the outdoor kitchen business, we, we would be hurting. So I'm, I'm sure there is people that are hurting, but, but, uh, um, grills on wheels really slow down big time. I mean, just overnight they slow down and, uh, but, mm-hmm. but now our biggest sellers are actually more outdoor kitchen related. Well, I'm not a competitor, but if I ever get into competition barbecue, my team name is going to be grills on wheels. Thank you for the team name. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, can I hold you up just for one second? Do a little piece of business. We'll come back and talk about how to sell Franklin barbecue pits. Sure. All absolutely. Right. Stand by. We're talking with Rick Martin over at Texas Star Grill Shop. The website, by the way, is TexasStarGrillShop.com, and you can follow them socially. Instagram is Texas Star Grill Shop, and on the X, formerly Twitter, it's TX Star Grill Shop. If you would like to give him a follow over on those social medias. Currently, 35% of you are saying you would like to have a ceramic cooker over a pellet cooker. Well, why not consider a Primo? We know Primo is a ceramic cooker. It is fuel efficient. You can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. Also, just like I did on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, for birthday slash anniversary steaks, Fired up the Primo to rocket hot. 
flip the grill grate over so it's closer to the coals and 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, flip, 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 flip. And two minutes later, we have a exceptional sear on the outside of those steaks. A sous vide to make sure we have bumper to bumper, top to bottom. But then finish them off on the charcoal. Nothing better. Tastes so good. And you have the real ability. I mean, here is the key to all of them. I have the extra large Primo. I set it up where I have the uh, separator in the middle. So I have one side with no coals, then there's a wall, and then there's a side full of coals. Rocket hot. Then I have a deflector plate on the empty side with the grill grate. So I put in my wife's filet and my youngest daughter's filet on the indirect side. Now, mind you, we're running at like 400 degrees, 450 degrees before we really start to sear. Just flipping the steaks over routinely every three, four minutes, bringing that internal temperature up. They like them a little less, a little more done than me and the middle daughter. But easy to do. I don't have to worry about it burning. The deflector plate works like a charm. And then flip open that top all the way. I mean, all the way. You can daisy wheel the whole thing out. And now it's like a suction locomotive. And now we're rocket hot. Now we're searing everything. And again, just in a few short minutes. Right? What's the best part? Shut the top. Shut the bottom. It extinguishes itself. Shake out the ash. And I have plenty of coals to do a extended chicken cook if I wanted to. Or rib cook for this coming weekend. Promises to be a high of 50 degrees. So it's great. Once those ceramics get hot, that's the best. Aside from the two-zone fire, you have the fuel efficiency of those ceramics. Primogrill.com is the place to go. You find a dealer near you. You take a look at all those different sized ovals. Again, I recommend the XL because nobody's complained about buying bigger. But pick the one that's best for you. They got all the accessories as well. Primogrill.com. And we'll be back with Rick Martin right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rempe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion is being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with most of them. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Don't forget about that new Fireboard Beacon. Runs on the S1G, the super low one. I don't know. There's some technical term for that that Ted talked about last time he was on. So check it out at fireboard.com. And we're joined once again by Rick Martin from Texas Star Grill Shop. Rick, are you a uh, fireboard dealer? Um, We don't. I, no? I, I, I need to look into that. Darn no. it. Monitor up to six. Yeah. And uh, they're always coming out with some new. Uh, do you carry the, uh, it's totally off the subject, but are, do you carry wireless thermometers like the meter or some nonsense like that? The meter. Meter is a huge seller. We actually buy direct from them and uh, buy quite a bit of that. I mean, does it work? We also do therm- th- lots of thermal works, thermal pens. Yeah, like yeah, thermal pens are great. Does the meter work? I mean, I've heard nothing but complaints about once you close the lid, you're pretty much effed. 
Um, it, it seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Pretty well. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Franklin's Barbecue Pit. So I was approached by Matt Gase a couple months ago and started talking about maybe there would be some sponsorship of the show. Maybe not. We talked about it. We were able to put something together, which is great. But I said, you know, what would be really great is to not just talk to Aaron Franklin. I mean, is he not going to tell you that the pit's great? Of course. But let's talk about to sure. somebody who also believes what Aaron's talking about as far as construction of the pit and then has brought it in to then retail it out to the consuming public. You're a, a very large dealer down there, certified Franklin Barbecue Pit dealer. So how were you first approached to bring in Franklin's pits or did you go out in search on your own? They actually, uh, uh, they actually approached us, but there was an opportunity then uh, when we, when we, when we first brought it on, uh, Aaron Franklin would do a store appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, he's an amazing person. Um, it, uh, um, not, not only was he able to sell, sell the pit to, or, you know, basically do the selling speech to many customers, but it was amazing to watch the customers, you know, uh, come and talk to him and then someone stand in line to talk to him next. And then someone stand for, you know, he had 70 people in line waiting to talk to him and he gave them all the time of day. Wow. So that was really quite a, quite an experience there. That's how it started. Um, but you know, I would say on the, on the brand, um, I was checking our, uh, our, our landing pages on our website and this was pretty, pretty powerful stuff, but, but the Aaron Franklin grill is number three, um, you know, and our little website had 10,645 clicks to it. <laughs> so, uh, if you're looking for eyeballs to your store, that's, that's a signature item you need to carry. Um, we've sold, you know, 23 of them so far this year. Um, so it's a, you know, we've been able to sell it. It is a, it is a difficult sell. I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's a difficult sell in that it's expensive. Um, but if you start going through all the points of why it's expensive, um, people start to kind of, kind of understand they don't buy it right then. A lot of them come back later and buy it. So once that seed is planted, but if you, if you're able to go through those, those main points, you know, like the the quality of the you know pickled and oiled steel, and the chaotic airflow, and the smokestack, and the smoke collector, and the airflow system, and then somehow say, you know, this thing is going to last probably a lot more than twenty years. But if we think about twenty years, that's only two hundred and fifty seven dollars a year. Yeah. So it's it's not much you're going to spend for your for a really quality uh, pit. And then you know we've cooked briskets on it and so forth. It is an amazing pit, and will make amazing brisket. When you're being pitched on becoming a dealer, like what are you looking as far as, I mean, you're experienced at this now. So when somebody's coming at you with something new, regardless of if it's Aaron Franklin or not, what are you looking at? What, what matters most to you aside from selling it to have potential to bring into your store? How does it fit into our store? How does it fit into what our product offering is? Um, how big it is because uh, it is there is a, a square footage issue you know if you keep bringing in like for instance we're, we're always approached by people that make pits you know but if you if you said yes to all of them your whole store would be taken over by pits so you really do have to choose be really kind of choosy which ones you're going to take on and which ones you're not so for you know for us we sell we sell franklin and we sell a, a brand called old country um barbecue pits which is kind of 
mostly Texas, I guess, uh, but has a has a pretty good following in places like Academy and so forth. So after you bring it in and you put one on the showroom floor, as you talked about, it is a, a bigger ticket item. So if you're selling 23 of these uh, over the course of the year so far, and we still got, you know, uh, maybe two months left or whatever, um, compared to some of the other stuff, why, let me ask a better question. As you're explaining all the stuff that you had mentioned on the Franklin barbecue pit, is somebody buying it? Like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. You said there are, most people are coming back, but is there opportunity for folks to do a, a one call close as we would say, or is it not usually going to transact like that? Um, there, I, I assume there, there has been some one call closes, uh, but uh, an example of a, a sale that I saw just recently was a, was a police officer that had come in. He'd come in like 10 times to look at the pit and, uh, he finally made made the decision to do it, and uh, but I think that's a, that's a it, it becomes a really a bucket list, and man, that's what I want. But wow, I don't know when I'm going to pull the trigger. But there's going to be a reason at some point. Maybe he gets a lot of overtime, or or uh, there's a cel- maybe the Houston Astros uh, you know won the World Series, but they didn't. But you know, <laughs> they did something not. like that. <laughs> if this would have been. 10 years ago, Farron would have brought the pit out 10 years ago. Is this an easier sell? I mean, certainly it would be less expensive. It would probably be comparable, but I mean, materials and you know all the other stuff are just going through the roof at this point. I guess the point I'm driving at is you wouldn't have as much competition from what I would call the brainless cookers as you would present day. Does, does the pellet grill hinder the sale of the offset? I think it it does. However, um, however, I would say that the, it's the same customer, and in our market, uh, for the customer that can afford it, they like to have both of them. Um, uh, uh, Cal McNair is the owner of the Houston Texans, and uh, he said one time uh, on a sports talk, he was saying how he cooks his brisket. He puts it on his offset smoker mm-hmm. and starts it there, and then finishes it off on his pellet grill and goes to sleep. So I think there's a little bit of that. I think there is a definitely a culture for uh for the offset smoker. We love that really strong smoke flavor in in Texas, um, in Houston, and um, um, I think that that's part of part of it. I think they can't just can't give it up all the way. But you know, it, it's it's a little harder to to come home at night at six o'clock and fire that thing up and and cook something. Some you know, it's more of a more of an event-driven exercise. I have a fairly large YouTube personality come on my show once a month, and we were talking about the Franklin Barbecue Pit right when they started with the show, and I told him the retail price was five thousand one hundred fifty bucks. And he, after he got done with his fainting spell, he's like, "Wow, that just seems like a lot." So when you have a customer come in, fall in love with it, but maybe they don't see the price tag right off the bat. What do you do to overcome sticker shock? Well, I think you've got to talk about the reasons why um, it's a little bit more expensive. There's no, there's nothing, you know, there's no cost taken out of it. I don't, I don't think Aaron Franklin would allow it. Yeah. Um, honestly, if he could get down to $3,000, it would sell really, 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 really good, but he doesn't want to cut anything out of it. So uh, it's, 
it's built like a tank. It's built with extreme quality. So the only way to really do that is to start talking, start, start reasoning with, I think with people and, um, you know, start talking about how much it's going to be. Uh, this is a, a long time, a long time experience. Um, $257 a year for the next 20 years is not too bad. Is there a, do you think there is a, I don't know if yearning is the right way to go about it, but is, is there a calling to get back to a, a stick burner? Uh, certainly it's like well entrenched, especially down in the Texas area, but with the advent of pellet cookers and obviously you can use some other ancillary items and things like ceramic cookers to help you manage a fire um, where, you know, the skill set isn't necessarily needed as it once was. Do you think there is a, a, a want to return to some of that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, the craft of, the, of it, if, you know, if you will. Perfect. Um, and certainly around the, the holidays, uh, there's a lot of, lot of traditions here in Texas, especially where we're, we're, uh, we're cooking a, a turkey or cooking a prime rib and people are managing the pit. And, and that's part of, you know, you don't want to get stuck inside all the time. Right. So you can go outside and of course our weather is really nice in November and December usually. But, uh, so you kind of want to go outside. You don't want to talk to some old lady, you know, inside the house. So, uh, so you're able to go outside, put some, put some logs on the fire, keep it going, kind of manage it. And I think that's a, that's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of family traditions that, that do that. As somebody who has operated it, I hear all the time about how easy it is and how, you know, no dampers needed on the firebox door. All those holes cut into it are done on purpose. How easy is it to manage a fire? It's really super easy. Uh, we just cooked a brisket uh, last, last Friday um, all day long. And it just, it just hung right in there at two, 250 degrees. Didn't even, uh, um, so yeah, very, very, very easy. It does. You, you are managing the fire, but that's part of the fun of it. Um, you are putting a log on and making sure the fire is at you know, right around that. Uh, I think Aaron Franklin says 688 degrees. So trying to manage the, manage the efficiency of the fire. Uh, but, uh, but that's part of the fun, part of the, part of the challenge of it. You know, you, you know, drink, drink a glass of water or beer or whatever in between and then, as it goes down, you put another log on the fire. If somebody's in the greater Houston area, they want to visit one of your stores and are interested in Franklin Pit. Are there any like deals going on, or uh, is, is there anything that you can help them out with? We just finished a, a deal where we're doing. Um, we, we just just decided to run a little hot promotion for those that are that have it on their bucket list, <laughs> um, but haven't quite made the decision. So we just did. Um, uh, five payments of $900, um, $900 per month uh, for the weekend. But anyone that's listening to this show that would like a, a Franklin and one and is in the Houston area, <laughs> will extend that same off to them. We really? just ended it on uh, Saturday. So that's a pretty decent savings. Yep. No, no interest, no credit check. <laughs> but you, you're not giving it to them until you until you pay the thing off, though, right? No, we're we're giving it to them after they pay the first nine hundred. No way! You know, Look the at thing you, is, Mr. Thing Trusty. Is, yeah, no. The thing is, people are pretty honest when it comes down to it. Holy moly! Well, too yeah. bad I don't live in the greater Houston area. I'd come down and snatch that up. Uh, I mean, I like to save five hundred bucks like anybody else. So, 
Uh, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're a listener of the show, you're in Greater Houston, go see Rick and tell him you want a special deal. He'll honor that, which we certainly appreciate. Rick, it's been a great interview. I uh, love getting the background on you, the store, and uh, most importantly, how you're selling that Franklin barbecue pit. Uh, continued success and hope to have you on again soon. A lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. You got it. That's Rick right there. Texas Star Grill Shop. So if you want to check him out and see what he's up to. I mean, at some point, I have to get down there, right? I'm there. Hello. Maybe in April. I think we're headed back down in April. We'll check it out. All right. uh, We're going to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. We thank Rick Martin for joining us last segment. Once again, his website is TexasStarGrillShop.com, and you can follow him socially. Texas Star Grill Shop on Instagram or over on the formerly Twitter, TX Star Grill Shop. And I mean, what a deal he's doing. I'm no mathematician, but uh, five, was it five payments of $900 or nine payments of $500? Either way, that comes out to 4500 bucks, and they take care of the tax? What? That's like $600. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue is saying, I identify as Guy the Cooking Sam. I'll be there first thing tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, Guy. Looks like Guy Joe is going to be a new Franklin Barbecue Pit owner. So you got to live down there to take advantage of that special deal or within the general area. I think Joe's like uh, 10 hours away from Houston, if I'm not mistaken. I am probably mistaken, by the way. I have no idea exactly time frames, but I'm sure it's got to be at least eight hours. That I'm pretty sure of. So if you're in the greater Houston area and you want to save money on the Franklin Barbecue Pit, take advantage of that special deal that Rick just told us about. I mean, that is spectacular. Outrageous. Good for you. And it's not a layaway. Give them the first payment of 500 bucks and away you go. It's guys like Rick that continue to inspire my faith in humanity. Good for you, Rick. Continued success and we'll look to have you back on, no doubt. All right, we are going to reload here for the second hour. Remember, tell all your friends and neighbors that in the second hour, we're going to be putting together and inducting a brand new Barbecue Central Show's guest, Hall of Fame class, the class of 2023. My names are so good. I'm so excited to get going. I want to rip through the top of the show so we can get immediately into the Hall of Fame nomination. And if I'm this excited about my names, I can only imagine what Doug is bringing to the table, what John is bringing to the table, what Rusty is bringing to the table. Does anybody think 
We have opportunity for multiple unanimous decisions just as we go around to give our our uh, our names of nomination. We might see it. Stick around. Second hour coming up.